This is Live Well Talk on Head and Neck Cancer. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at United Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. While many of us will be celebrating Fresh Celery Month in April, there's also another awareness month, and that's uh, April's Head and Neck Cancer Awareness. Joining me today to discuss this topic is Dr. Ryan Depp-Wolf from Physicians Clinic of Iowa Ear, Nose, and Throat to discuss risk factors, signs, symptoms, and more regarding head and neck cancer. Dr. Depp-Wolf, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is your first, isn't it? It is. Uh, I haven't done. I haven't done the podcast before. Yeah, I think we've had Tom Heineman and mm-hmm. on uh, Sleep Apnea Inspire mm-hmm. when he started that. So good. Yeah. Good to have you, Ryan. Uh, well, thank you. Always good to talk to you. But uh, mm-hmm. let's start with you know, head and neck is a very. First of all, these are scary cancers uh, because they potentially can end up in some sort of disruption to your anatomy that can be devastating to people. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, so this is a this is really a, a very very serious cancers, uh, but head and neck's a broad term. Can you kind of narrow that down for? I mean, what are we? What organs are we other than skin? What organs yeah. are we worried about? Yeah, so it's a good question. We we talk about this a lot. Um, the cancers of the head and neck, as we say, are devastating to people simply because they affect certain functions that are really important to us in everyday life. Primarily speaking, breathing, swallowing, that kind of stuff. Um, so what we're really talking about in the head and neck is the throat. That's really what we're talking about. Now, technically, it's anything from the lips and the nose in all the way through to the voice box. Um, but most people refer to the throat as the stuff behind your tongue. It's this, the, really the part of the body you can't necessarily see great by just looking in the mouth. Um, and, but that's where we, we talk a lot about that. Um, one of the big things people read about with celebrities and stuff where we get asked a lot about is is uh, is swallowing cancer, you know, the esophageal cancer. They read about Michael Douglas or they read about somebody else out there who's had, you know, issues. Now, that's a little bit lower for what we do. We don't actually go down into the chest where that esophagus is, but basically everything in the back behind the tongue to the voice box. Okay. And the risk factors for it, I'm sure a lot of us can guess quite accurately. It's probably not fresh celery that will be eaten in the month of April, but uh, can you run through the risk factors? What are the risk factors for head and neck cancer? It's it's really pretty simple. Uh, It's alcohol and tobacco. Um, Those are the main risk factors. Now, we're going to talk a little bit today about another one, uh, a sexually transmitted infection called HPV, which is also a risk factor. But the ones that everybody knows about that are classically described are alcohol and um, tobacco use, with tobacco use actually being a little bit stronger than alcohol in a lot of cases. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. And vaping would be in there, too, because it's nicotine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any Anything. Cigars. Uh, uh, one of the other one is chewless tobacco or uh, chewing tobacco. Sorry. Um, we see it inside lips where people put it, uh, things like that. I actually had a patient not too long ago um, who was uh, from Asia who they chew betel nut, and betel nut is a risk factor. Now, not many people in the United States do that. It's not a big deal, but it's actually not an uncommon thing where they're from. Um, and this um, patient actually developed a cancer. It's sort of just like, it's kind of like chewing tobacco, essentially. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I had never heard of that. Um, now, we t- you talked about human papillomavirus. You said sexually transmitted disease, um, which there's vaccines for. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and so tell us about that. How does that cause a head and neck cancer? So, yeah, um, there's been uh, a lot of research and focus in the head and neck cancer world in the last maybe 15 years 
on human papillomavirus. Um, it is a very common virus that almost every adult has been exposed to in their life, um, but it is a sexually transmitted um, disease. It's a, it's a virus that's transmitted through direct contact, and uh, that most common form is um, sexual transmission. Women have been dealing with this for a long time with cervical cancer, cervical cancer screening and all this stuff. HPV is associated with cervical cancers. Um, what we began to I, see. I have to be honest, I, I didn't know it was a risk for head or neck until yeah. I prepped for this. Um, probably in the last 15, 20 years, we began to notice a separate subset of patient who was very different than our typical head and neck cancer patient um, who began to develop cancers. And so the, it became to be a theme that these patients had, were more likely to have an HPV infection. And so a lot of research has been done on uh, which type of HPV, when did they get it, when's the best time to, is it, does it act differently, can you treat it differently, all those kind of things. But as you said, there is, there is a vaccine for it, there is a, a treatment for it to prevent it. Now, again, like all vaccines, it doesn't treat it once you have it, it right. will prevent infection from it. And so currently um, in the United States, it's recommended for boys and girls around age 11 or 12 to start with the vaccine. It's usually a series of two shots. It can be three, depending on when you start, but it does a great job at preventing infection with the higher risk forms of HPV. Like we're all learning a lot about viruses in the last couple of years, and there's many variants of them. Um, just like the ones that we've heard about recently, HPV has different variants and there's certain ones that tend to cause cancers and certain ones that just cause warts like we get anywhere else. Um, the vaccines are very good at preventing infection with the ones that cause cancer. Um, and so the, it's uh, actually become approved by the Food and Drug Administration, administration and is now being recommended for any boy or girl around age 11 or 12 to get vaccinated. Wow. You know, I, I guess I saw that recently where boys, it was recommended during like, you know, you get those, uh, comes in the annals of internal medicine, which I know you read every month. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and it has like the, the immunization schedule yeah. for the just recently approved. And I saw that it had boys on there for HPV and I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. Uh, yeah. But that's probably what they're looking at. Wow. Absolutely. That's something exactly what it's for. Now, what, we talked about swallowing and breathing. Uh, so I imagine some of the presenting symptoms or a sign or symptom of uh, head or neck cancer or throat cancer, if you will, uh, is trouble swallowing and breathing, correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, anything from a bump in the neck uh, to changing your voice that lasts longer than two weeks, difficulty swallowing that lasts longer than just a few days. Um, certainly, uh, pe some people will notice actual bumps in their mouth or in their throat, but that's actually not super common. Um, it's usually some sort of bump in the neck or some sort of change in those things, those things that we have to use every day, our voice and our, and our breathing. And I know also that uh, your, your relationship with the Helen G Community Cancer Center mm -hmm. is, is very solid. You, you've demonstrated a leadership role there, uh, not only in just cancer, but particularly thyroid surgeries mm -hmm. as well. Uh, I know I've sent you patients. Mm -hmm. but so what are, what are some screening processes that can take place? Yeah. And so um, screening honestly takes place actually a lot of times at the primary care office or the dentist's office, somebody who's looking in your mouth or your throat and looking for something if they see an, uh, a white spot or a bump or a lump, and then they'll end up getting sent to us um, through the 
Helen G. Nassau Cancer Center, um, they actually do a good job of that when they basically see that oncologists see anybody if they they see something, even if it weren't if they're not there for their head and neck cancer, they're there for something else. Um, they'll get sent up now in ENT when you come see us. It's basically a full head and neck exam. We're going to look in your nose. We're going to look in your mouth, um, probably a little bit more aggressively than you may have had done before, potentially putting our fingers in there, feeling the underneath your tongue, around the sides, and then maybe even using a scope that goes through your nose to take a look at your throat. This scoping process has revolutionized ENT and the identification of head and neck cancers since it came out probably 35, 40 years ago. It allows us to see parts of the body while people are awake. They don't have to have anesthesia. We can see your throat. We can see right. your voice box, the back of your tongue, and actually take a direct look at those areas um, from that standpoint. We actually have a uh, head and neck cancer. Since this is Head and Neck Cancer Awareness Month, there is a uh, free head and neck cancer screening coming up at Helen G, or at the Community Cancer Center, Helen G. Nassif on Monday, April 25th in the afternoon that anybody can sign up for if they want to come in. And again, it's going to be a very basic feel your neck, look in your mouth, look in your nose sort of thing to see if we see anything that looks concerning. Will there be fresh celery there? Provided? <laughs> there might be. You never know. OK. All right. Well, that's just a good, good thing. All right. Now, now if I have cancer and it's discovered, uh, I mean, you're a surgeon. Uh, so I'm going to get some surgery. What kind of walk us through that? How, what's the most common? And Yeah. So um, there's three basic ways to treat uh, head and neck cancer, like a lot of other cancers. There's surgery, there's chemotherapy, and there's radiation. Now, in the head and neck, there are certain areas that are more amenable to chemotherapy and radiation because, again, some of the functions of what we deal with are so vital to everyday life and people and it's very personal your voice and your swallowing and eating and all that stuff so any surgery that would potentially interrupt those has led to a lot of patients choosing not to do surgical therapy that would theoretically interrupt those functions and so radiation and chemotherapy have become very prominent in our field so we work closely with the the hemonc doctors and the radiation oncologists to sort of decide what's best for the patient. As far as surgery goes, thankfully in the mouth, the lips, the tongue, the cheek, the floor of the mouth, that's all primarily surgical. We can put someone to sleep and cut it out and check the edges, the margins, make sure we got it all, got all the way around it, and then have them tell us, the pathologist tell us whether it's in nerves or if it's in muscle or it's going into blood vessels, things like that. And then even get further treatment after surgery if necessary. Um, a lot of times we have to take out lymph nodes in the neck. Um, the first place that head and neck cancer tends to spread to is the neck lymph nodes. And so common surgery is to take out some of those lymph nodes to see if it's spread um, because that changes treatment plans and, and prognosis. And so we, we might do that. Uh, it just sort of depends on where it is. But when you start talking about the back of the tongue or big cancers around the voice box, a lot of people will choose chemotherapy and radiation because they feel it's going to give them a better chance to continue to speak or swallow better rather than having a surgery that disrupts that. Yeah. Yeah, my father-in-law had uh, a uh, head and neck and had radiation, you know, and still, yeah. still the, the taste buds are yeah. you know, two years later still recovering, let's say. Right. I mean, it, does, it has improved. Yeah, but, uh, everything it's, has its side effects, as you know, and so there's, there's no, unfortunately with cancer, there's no free ride, everything, not, nothing is perfect, but yeah, it's just going through that discussion about what's most likely to happen, which one, what do you, which way do you want to go? So 
in summary, to prevent head or neck cancers, uh, obviously re reduce for skin, re re avoid yeah. sun exposure, of course. Correct. But uh, curtail smoking and alcohol. Absolutely. The biggest thing you can anybody can do is cut down on alcohol and tobacco use. Tobacco use specifically, for sure, in any form of tobacco, whether it's smoking, whether it's smoke, uh, chewing, whether it's vaping, it doesn't matter, cigars, I mean, any, all of those carry at least some risk of developing cancers. What I tell people with smoking, uh, it's maybe um, sounds a bit harsh at times, but it's, it's very true to the patients, as I tell them, is that if you smoke and you don't stop, you will eventually have a cancer. It's just a matter of whether we find it before something else happens. Before you die, essentially, yeah. Before you die. You, we're going to find it will happen. Um, it's just a matter of if something else takes place first. And so, yes, cutting back on those things. And then, of course, the HPV vaccines for young people. Uh, you know, HPV-related head and neck cancer is completely avoidable, 100% avoidable. Um, and these vaccines do a good job of, of decreasing infection. Now, again, you have to get it when you're young. That's why it's not recommended after the age of 26, because almost all adults have already been exposed to it. And the vaccines don't take it away once you've already had it. Um, they just help prevent you from getting it in the first place. And so the vaccines can be very helpful, especially because these HPV related cancers are very different. These are usually young people the average age is at least a decade younger than our traditional smoker drinker population. Um, and they don't have any of those risk factors. They don't have, they don't have smoking or drinking. They, they, all of a sudden it's a, a I, you, these are, they're sad stories because it's a 38 or 45 year old person who has, is very, very healthy otherwise and doesn't have any problems who develops a tonsil cancer or a tongue cancer or something like that. So the other, the other way to avoid these things is through that HPV vaccine. That's that's great advice. Well, uh, we always ask the guest uh, what what why they chose their specific specialty. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously, you weren't talented enough to be an internist like myself. Yeah, so I, you yeah. had to settle for why did you settle for e, why why did you settle for ENT? Uh, well, it's the you know head and neck cancer awareness month. It's the same as Fresh Celery Month, so that yes. was that was a good one. Um, but. Uh, I like just about everything I did in medicine when I was going through medical school and you get to try all the different stuff. I ultimately decided I want to do surgery. That's one of the big decision points. Um, and then I get a chance to see kids. I get a chance to see adults. I get to see middle age. I mean, I see the entire range of age. And other than the fact that I'm confined to a, a fairly specific anatomic region, which again, I enjoy, um, I get to see chronic disease and acute disease, people I create relationships with, other ones I see one time and can help along the way. And I liked that variety of it. So cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you do do a great job. You probably you've probably been here what, twelve years maybe? Yeah. Years? Well, coming up on twelve years. Yeah, mm -hmm. twelve years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Goes fast. It does go fast, <laughs> doesn't it though? Yeah. It does. Both my daughters are taller than me, or as yeah. tall and once taller. And so like yeah. what what happened? <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. This is Dr. Deppenwolf. Uh, great information. Uh, Dr. Deppenwolf is with uh, Physicians Clinic of Iowa, Ear, Nose, and Throat. For more information on ENT services provided by Physicians Clinic of Iowa, call 319-399-2022. And for more information, services, and resources for cancer patients, uh, the Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center is 319-558-4876, or you can just go to the website that is communitycancercenter.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.